I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. Having a good day today. Let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor psychiatrist. If your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only speak based on my experiences. I also know I own the rights to this music. Both musics were published on YouTube and was on for June 24, 2015. The intro was, and the outro was for March 25th, 2016. Now, I also have some shout-outs to give. The first shout I must give is to my good friend, Megan Corman. Thank you to my great friend, Megan, for being on my show last time. I love you and thank you for supporting me so much. Another one I must give to is to Greg Sterner and Rick Sarita, a.k.a. the owners of the Two Rows from Ringside. I wanted to say thank you to my new friends, Greg Sterner and Rick Sarita. They are the hosts from Two Rows from Ringside, like I said, that had me on their show. I had so much fun, and they are really great guys. I also want to thank James Perdue, or as people call him, the Professor of Perverance. He is the host of the Professor of Perverance podcast, and I want an amazing guy who has definitely overcome some major challenges. Give his podcast a listen to. The final shout I must give us to Steve Jasawiski. I wanted to give him a shout because he's the manager of Wellspring Pain Solutions in Bloomington, Indiana. They are sponsoring me, and it feels good to know that this is the company that believes in the successes of my podcast and me. Thank you, Mr. Jaleski, for your generosity, and I look so forward to working with you in the future. Hey, you all. I have you have to check my website at autismrocksandrolls.com. We have T-shirts, masks, bracelets, and car decals for Autism Rocks and Rolls. Get yours today. I also will do public speaking to tell my story, and we have ad space left for the next few months. Everything is on my website. Now, we also have a word from our sponsors. So let's do that. I have a sponsor. It's not only a sponsor, but these people seem like the nicest people ever. Wellspring Pain Solutions is partnering with Autism Rocks and Rolls. They are not only friendly people, but they have four locations, Columbus, Batesville, Terre Haute, and Bloomington, Indiana. Doctors like Dr. Beck is leading the way in pain management they support my mission to take the stigma off of autism and for people to realize I have autism. But I am not broken. I do not need to be fixed. I am me, and I embrace that. I've also ha- had some big guests through my show, such as Dr. Temple Grandin, Simon Majumdar from Cutthroat Kitchen, and Armani Williams, the first NASCAR driver open about having autism. They were also very excited about my amazing, upcoming guests. They also love my merchandise I sell. Hearing all about the press I received, and hearing all about the podcast episodes I've created and I have been guest on. Wellspring Pain Solutions, www.wellspringpainsolutions.com and autismrocksandrolls.com. All right, so that was them. Don't be too nervous to check them out because they are, are wonderful people. Now today, we are bringing a very special guest. I am bringing you an inspiring young man who, like me, does not let autism define who he is. Jason McElwin, for J-Mac, as his friends and fans call him, Payne came in 26 when the coach at Greece Athena High School in New York put him in the game. Jason was acting as the team manager, but the coach put him in having no idea what Jason would do. He shot several three-point shots, making them and scoring a total of 20 points. Jason has appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, Larry King Live, Good Morning America, and the Today Show. Welcome, Jason. I'm so glad you could be on my show. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. It's an honor and a blessing to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Anytime. So... My first question to you is, what does having autism mean to you? Well, I mean, it, it's I still am learning about it at this age of 32. I was diagnosed at three years old, and I was told I'd be a vegetable the rest of my life, and I wouldn't be able to talk or walk or be able to put on a pair of underpants, and here I am. Uh, yes, sir. You're not a vegetable. You are an amazing person. I mean, you're shooting three-pointers, man. Yeah, it was a night that I'll uh, never forget, but it wasn't even close to the best moment. The best moment was when we won our first sectional title uh, three weeks later since 92. 
So what were your initial thoughts when you learned that you had autism? It didn't really strike me until I went to school and I was in different classes than my friends were. And I didn't like being different, but like so sports has always been my niche my whole life. So. Sports always been a niche of your life. So, and that's good. I think I'm not a big sports person, but I'm glad that you like sports and it's just different for each person. Yeah. Well, I also ran cross country and track in high school and played basketball. So I mean, the more sports I got, the more structure I had. So. so how do you think our brains operate? Brains operate uh, differently. Kids with autism or kids with disabilities uh, have to have a routine and have to have socialization and structure in person. They struggle with change, as such as myself, I struggle with change, and they have to have the same structure at all times. They do have to have structure at all times. I agree. And if you want, I can tell you about, I did a TED talk and I talked about why autistic people need structure. So I can totally agree with you. What is the most rewarding and most difficult thing about having autism? That I've uh, always had to work hard to uh, get to get to where I am. And God's blessed me with every success I've had in life. That's going to, what would you say a difficult part of it would be? The difficult part of it is that uh, there's some people that don't understand or don't think that you can do something and you just don't listen to it. They doubt you. They don't uh, understand what autism is and they don't understand how to accept you. They don't understand how to accept people with disabilities and they also get bullied on occasions. Yes, they do. And that is an unfortunate part because we have so much talents to give that it's not even worth bullying. You're wasting your time, honestly. Instead, you should admire us. Yes. I don't know you that personally yet, but I'm an emotional person and like, and I wear my heart on my sleeves. I want to be great at everything I do. And if I make a mistake, and I've gotten better with it. You have to fight through them. People who try and fail are more superior. People don't try at all. Yes, exactly. I, we are definitely, um, to me, that describes the word perfection, right? We're perfectionists. So what would be some general advice you'd give to someone who just learned they had autism? Try to find something they like. So I work with special needs on a bus. You, the, the more you talk to them about this, the things they like, the better your relationship will be. That's good. I can agree with that for sure. If you approach us, we'll like you, honestly. I mean, I know this is all, but we're like dogs. I mean, when we get petted or when we get approached, we appreciate it. So as you know about this um, three-point shots, can you tell me about the moment when you made those three-pointers? What were you thinking during and after the game? It was one of those things that, um, one of those nights that I was just hot as a pistol. I mean, I did shoot 500 to 1,000 shots a day every off season and uh and i just stepped up on my opportunity was uh was right i just went in and gave it all i had and just whatever happened happened but i was more concerned about winning the games than uh what my stats were concerned i'd rather win at everything than i'd rather have zero and win and 20 and lose sure i can see that now what do you mean by hot as a pistol it's just on fire that night. It's just a figurative metaphor. What happened after they held you on your shoulders? It was like we won the national championship. It was like a Rudy moment. But the best moment was three weeks later when we won sectionals. Was it due to you making the three-pointers again or something else? No, it was when our team finally won a championship. I didn't play another game after that. I wasn't eligible for the sectionals, but I just wanted to win a championship more than anything in the world. Now, what does being selected as the team manager back in 2006, before you made those three-pointers, mean to you? It was just awesome to be part of something special. I um, hand out water in games, ran drills in practice, set up the clock in practice, and I jumped in and be enthusiastic. I just wanted to do that role just to get the respect of my teammates. Most people do that role for like one year and then leave. I wanted to be a part of something special. And number two, well, you didn't know this, and you live in Indiana. My first job out of high school was with the Indianapolis Colts as an equipment manager and seeing Peyton Manning win his first Super Bowl. 
and he just made the Hall of Fame. It was an ironic moment. So you also have a very close relationship with Coach Johnson. How would you describe Coach Johnson in one word and why? Well, I mean, I coached with him for 12 years after in his program, and I was with him for seven years on the varsity staff. And it's like a, it's like a father-son turn into a brotherhood relationship. We were blessed to win a lot of games together. We were blessed to do a lot of speaking engagements together. He's just, he's always been right by my side, and I've been by his side from day one when I walked into Christina's in seventh grade. Gotcha. That does sound like a big relationship. How'd you know you two became like brothers? Well, it was more so after the, my high school career ended as a player slash manager per se, to under as a coach and understanding the game more now and understanding what he was trying to do, uh, what he was trying to do as a coach when he when I played for him because he hadn't won a sexual title until my senior year. And there were teams that were more talented than us. And we just never had the leadership to get over the hump. And we finally did it. And then we won six of the last 12 uh, after that. So so can you remember a behavior that is hard for you and a behavior that's actually helped you do something? Before I was saved by Jesus Christ, I struggled with change. I've struggled with micromanagement. I like to just do my thing without people bothering me. And I don't like micromanaging people looking over me on every single move. That, that bothers me a lot. And, and that's what my biggest struggles were. And yeah, so yeah, I wasn't that great of a student aspect. I mean, I had to work extremely hard to get the grades I want, decent grades. And But I've made it this far with the right people around me. It, there are certain people for us, I think. When you're saved by Jesus Christ, you see things differently. That's good. I mean, Jesus can't help and Jesus can't help in many ways. So can you describe your childhood a little bit? Well, I used to play football, basketball, and baseball. Every sport in, in the neighborhood with my brother and his friends and a lot of my friends. And growing up, it was I was always the last pick on every team. I wasn't that great of an athlete, but I had I had fun playing the sport. Then when I got to high school, I really took basketball seriously and ran cross country. I worked out uh, seven days a week and gave it all I had. And uh, just wasn't just wasn't good enough to make it to the team. And then uh, my sophomore, I got in the game, I had three free throws and got fouled after getting fouled on a three-pointer. But my junior year, I was just team manager all the year. And then my senior year, the rest is history. But like, I was lucky to be, you know, God bless me with a neighborhood with young kids in the neighborhood to play sports with. Now, I also know that you struggle with uh, some social yep. interactions as well. So is there a difference between Jason who struggle with social interactions and the other Jason who can interact with people? Because believe me, I've struggled with social interactions too. The social interactions is more so like my early years um i didn't really start conversation talking until i was eight and then uh the more i started to uh do public speaking the better i was good and dreams do come true dreams do come true so you're also your older brother introduced you to basketball how did he introduce you to basketball when he started playing i just followed suit to be honest with you i don't remember a lot of my childhood to be honest with you that's okay but do you and your brother have different strategies when playing basketball or different tactics? He was more of a drive to the basket, and I was a straight-up shooter and played D. That's if you want to describe it that way. Now, how is autism and basketball, in your opinion, similar? Sports teaches you in general how to compete to win and win, how to lose, how to overcome failure, how to be humble and success, um, how to be a great teammate, how to work hard. Gotcha. That makes sense, and too. Discipline. It's structure as well. So you say we need structure. It can also I was not, not a very good loser. Not at all. <laughs> it's okay. I used to not be a good loser, too. You also have speech therapist, Annie McCormack. How has Annie McCormack helped you with your speech and language? 
Because I used to be therapist too myself. Well, he was back in high school. He doesn't have it now, but he uh, he was just a blessing. Taught me a lot more vocabulary words, I would say. He was a great guy I can go vent to when things are, when I have issues in school. Good. I have, I do the same thing with my speech therapist. So we have that on the, um, on the spectrum as well. So that could be something we have in common, which is awesome. So how did you feel when the phone rang a lot? And how did you feel when people approached you on the street after your three-pointer shots? I had his ups and downs. Everyone was so happy for me, but I wanted to win sectionals. Um, but the ups were, it was great that like, um, that I was being recognized and I was blessed for that, but the downs were, and I take this, I took this for granted when I was 17 years old, I was naive. There were people in my life. I did not talk to before the game. Then after all everything happened, everyone wanted to be your best friend and why everyone wanted publicity off. You got to know who your true friends are. That's a lesson I learned. You do have to know who your true friends are. You got to know who has your back and who is just there for the free Food or something. What do you remember most about meeting Peyton Manning and George W. Bush? I also met President Trump. I also met Kobe Bryant, uh, Magic Johnson, Lance Armstrong, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, um, Shaquille O'Neal, Adam Sandler, Jessica Simpson, the list can go on. Working for Peyton Manning in the Colts was one of the best times of my life. It was ironic because I was in the same boat they were in uh, when we we couldn't win the big one and, and all the naysayers saying we'll never win the big one. And Peyton Manning had the monkey on his back as well and his team. And when we won sectionals, I, when I was there that first summer with them and I talked to the team about the same story I had and I rooted so hard for them that year. And I was happy to be on that sideline when they won the Super Bowl over the Bears. It, it just brought tears to my eyes just to see Peyton finally get his first one and like his leadership. Uh, as a quarterback and as a person with Coach Dungy and all them, it taught me a lot how to work hard, how to be disciplined, how to hold up your teammates accountable. He was the, one of the best guys in sports I ever met. He seems like it. And he was following your footsteps, I guess. <laughs> yes, uh, it was a blessing and to, see, to be a part of those guys. And they were just a blessing to me. I mean, they welcomed me with open arms. They protected me and they treated me like I was one of their own. That's good. With autistic people, you need to treat us like you're, you're one of their own. Well, there were people that were, after my game, were treating me like a celeb instead of like the real person. And the Colts treated me like a real person and I could be a normal guy in the organization. Because it was, I was there to do my job. They treated me like the job. And they were friends to me and I was friends to them. And it was to support each other. I was there to help them do my role for that organization. And they treated it like that. Can you talk about any special memories you have when you did the Oprah Winfrey Show, Larry King, Good Morning America, or the Today Show? All the snacks in the green room, all the interview questions, being, on the, being in the spotlight on the media. The special memories were that, uh, that it was that we, I, I could use that as a platform. That is, um, that is good. I think we all need to use sometimes platforms for autism. Ambassador of Autism Up. If you want to donate to our organization now, you want autismup.org. I'll put that on. I might put that at the bottom probably. I'll definitely do that. Also have a book called The Game of My Life. And the magic of J Matt. What are the backstories behind the book and the movie? The movie is still in the, it's on hold right now, but the book I wrote it in 2000, uh, beginning in 2008, uh, seven actually, the fall 2007 took about a year and a half. And uh, it was, you could actually write a story about the whole process. Um, it was a guy, uh, Dan Paisner, approached me from New York City, wanted to do a book, and the rest is history. And uh, I got to voice, and he was a ghostwriter. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you got to write that book. And about the book is how, is it like, can you tell me like, and it's about your journey, obviously, but what does it go like in depth to? Is it what? What does it go in depth to? My whole life. 
basically. And leading up afterwards, what I've done, what I've done since. You also, we just talked about, you say you like to run. To you, what is the most beneficial thing about running? Uh, it clears your mind of your of all your stresses. Um, and it teaches you to be mentally tougher. I started out uh, after I said I'm going to finish a marathon. And then after my first half, my goal is to try to qualify for Boston. I looked up the qualifying times. It's 3.05. I qualified at my first Rochester marathon of three hours, one minute, 49 seconds. And then I went to Boston mid to 57. We'll keep you on We'll keep that updated. What is your paradise meal and why is it your favorite? Okay. Paradise meal is uh, eggplant parmesan with pasta. So what is your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it? Remember the Titans. That's a good movie. Yeah, because it's... It's a great movie. What has been your favorite vacation that you have ever taken? Uh, why did you enjoy those? Or why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Excuse me. I went to the Bahamas. It was just a great time in Atlantis. Um, the casino and uh, all the boat, uh, booze crews and all that. Being in warm weather every day, seeing the sun every day. Now, the final question is, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I want like a good memory and a funny memory that made you laugh. The greatest memory I've ever had was uh, actually this year, May 31st, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. I wanted Jesus to forgive me for all my sins I've made in my life. And uh, I'm studying to be a pastor right now. And because I wanted another avenue to motivate the youth to always give glory to God um, and everything you do. Then I got bat- rebaptized as a born again Christian and June 28th, and ever since uh, that, I've read the Bible every single day. My favorite verse is John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, also believe in me. And the most funniest moment I've ever had is when I got dunked in the uh, the cold tub at the Indianapolis Colts locker room as initiation by all the D-linemen. Those seem like really good memories. Well, I think yeah. that's all. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we head out? Success is not an accident. Success is actually a choice. Greatness is earned, not given the hard you work, the lucky you get. Never give up. You never fail. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you don't dream it, you can't become it. All right. Thank you, and you you have a great day. Thank you. Go Bucks. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please join for another episode coming very soon. Hope you're going to listen to me ramble. Thank you very much.